The Zooier Than Thou podcast contains adult concepts and language and is intended for a mature audience. So, if you reject fascism and you have no use whatsoever for a stranger's pity, then stay tuned. We made this for you. Get ready to enjoy that sweet, sweet senior discount. It's time for Zooier Than Thou. Can I say, you got me howling at the moon Whoa, don't you know, the love is wild when you're a zoo With Zooia the Night Oh fellow zoos, and welcome to the 60th episode of Zooier Than Thou. I'm Toggle, your friendly neighborhood zoo cult leader. And I'm Conophile, and no one makes up fun epithets for me anymore. And we'll be your hosts for this episode. <sighs> I get back on the air just in time for a massive hiatus. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty fortunate timing. Yep, I get to clock in my hours and then spend the next six months on vacation. Any plans during the break? Oh, definitely. I'll be thoroughly pursuing my career as a thespian. You know, the average theater production goes through six to eight weeks of rehearsals for a mere handful of shows. Hmm, that seems like an awful lot of effort for something so... ephemeral. Ah, but it's the ephemeral nature of the stage that makes it so special. Every night it's a different performance. You can get a lot of subtlety in pictures and television, and it's always the perfect take, but there's nothing as visceral as the raw emotion conveyed when you're sitting in the same room with an actor filled with conviction, or overwhelmed with sorrow, or fuming with rage. Stage is a powerful place, Togs. And with musical theater, all of that is amplified by the score, bouncing triumphantly off the walls of the theater as an actor brings the words to life through song. It's an experience, and I love being a part of it. I'll put some respect on that. How about you, Toggle? Anything special planned? Well, first things first, we're heading to warmer climes and hitting the beach. If I don't drink something out of a coconut by the end of this hiatus, I will consider this break a failure. I thought you hated coconut. I do. Well, all right then. Otherwise, I'll still actually be working on the podcast, just not as much. We're going to have an episode every month on the full moon. It'll just be dramatically scaled back. Hopefully, I'll have some new music for you and me to perform. And maybe some kind of music release, maybe on a major streaming platform. Oh, wow. I'm in. No promises, folks. That's, That's just my hope. But really... I want to take it easy and just not have anything to do for a little while. There's something to be said for having no obligations whatsoever. And I haven't had that in four years. Technically, you'll still have obligations if you're releasing the podcast every month. Shh. Let's read some emails. <laughs> right on. Our first email is from Wildless Coyote, who writes in about Season 4, Episode 11, I Fought the Law. Wildless writes... I just finished the most recent episode, I Fought the Law, and I wanted you to know that I loved it. It feels like a History Channel documentary from a zoo perspective. And on top of that, getting to hear what's going on in other countries, even if it isn't good, is such a welcome perspective. My prayers to the zoos of France and a fervent hope that you'll find success in your fight for liberty. As for the hiatus, I hate to imagine not hearing a full episode for six months, and my full moons will be a little dimmer for it, 
but I understand how much effort it must take to produce the quality of show that you do, and the health and well-being of the Zoot team is more important. May you all enjoy your time off, and I wish you nothing but health and happiness. Until we speak again, Wireless Coyote. Aww, thank you, Wireless Coyote. Burnout is a tough thing to deal with, and generally speaking, the better you can take care of it, the better the product turns out later on when you get right back in. Yep, absolutely, that's my hope. Started to feel that burnout, and I was like, it's time, y'all. It's time. And yeah, the last episode, I definitely wanted to really put like everything into that so i'm glad it came through really well and getting to talk with the french zoos was really cool a really great opportunity and we're also wishing the best for them thanks for writing in wireless we appreciate the well wishes and we hope that you'll enjoy what we have in store over the next six months as well up next here's one from ayana who writes in about our podcast in general ayana writes Before I start with the message, I have to mention that English is not my first language, so please forgive me if I make any grammar and or spelling mistakes. And now, to the topic of my message. I am new to your podcast, but I love it so far. The vibe which it is giving me is just amazing and let me feel better. Your podcast gives more courage to stay behind my zoophile feelings and helps me to love me for who I am. Always when I hear your voice, I just feel good. At the moment, I have a big cold, but to hear your podcast while I'm lying in bed lets me feel more healthy again. Thank you very much. Wow, that's really nice to hear. Although, drink plenty of water, please. Water, (laughs) orange juice, whatever it is you like, just keep the fluids in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gotta stay hydrated. I'm glad that just being able to hear other people's experiences and other people's perspectives really does help with the sense of community that we're all looking for. After all, like, it's really hard to feel the way we do if we feel like we're the only one within a hundred miles, or ever, (laughs) even. So, it's absolutely an important thing to be able to have this to connect us. Yeah, and it's great to be a part of it, and I'm happy to share it with you. Uh, And I'm very flattered that you enjoy (laughs) our voices and listening to us speak. We always said there's something to be said for hearing another zoo's voice and them talking about what matters to zoos. So I'm glad that's ringing clear. Mm -hmm. So thanks for writing in, Ayana. It's always amazing to hear from our non-English speaking listeners. Absolutely. This next one is a big one from Josesk Volpe who writes in about far-right zoophiles and the furry community. Oh boy. Yeah, uh, this one has been mildly edited for length and to make passages clearer, as Josesk is not a native English speaker. Josesk writes, Since the beginning of the pandemic, I've been studying about the zoophilia community. Well, that's enough to not be so well seen by some furs, and I've been exposed as a, quote, zoophile just by that, which is a lie. While I don't support much real-life bestiality, I support the zoo furs as a sexual minority group we should keep accepting and tolerating. And it's just so offensive, discriminatory, and dishonest to call them abusers and dogfuckers by their sexuality and not by their actions. Interesting enough is that the furry community was more acceptive with zoophiles back then, and huge hate far-right groups like Burn Furs in the furry community persecuted zoophile furries as well as other alternative sexualities like plushophiles, while a progressive resistance group named Freezing Furs welcomed them to help resist against the Burn Furs. 
There are also some old progressive articles discussing zoophilia critically and suggesting that we should conditionally tolerate zoophiles. Some even discuss that bestiality is okay since it doesn't hurt the animal and put them at risk, and I remember it was common back in 2014. However, far-right furry groups today seems to support and welcome zoophiles absolutely and unconditionally, even the ones involved in animal abuse and denounced by the zoophile community itself. While progressive furry groups today tend not to support zoophiles and mistakenly define them as infiltration that tries to steal the LGBT community. But I have also seen the far-right within and outside the furry community, even the ones who welcome zoophiles, use zoophilia as a scarecrow to spread hate against other social groups within the community, and even furry itself. Not only zoophilia, but also other paraphilias. They even infiltrate into progressive furry factions, in a way I've seen many progressives using neo-Nazi sources to attack popufurs, even though they are indeed assholes, especially on Twitter. For example, I've seen a self-declared, probably fake, anti-fascist fur posting a dox against an ABDL furry with autism claiming they are pedophiles by being ABDL, but when I check the anti-fascist furry profile, I've seen they joined the furry community quite recently and also attacked other furries and other social media for their identities and sexualities. To me, that seems to be infiltration. The alt-right modus operandi are strange. Outside the furry community, the far-right condemns zoophilia and often compares it with homosexuality. The far-right also presents the furry community as a perverted liberal zoophile cult. While I was on Twitter, I saw many progressive and left-wing zoophile furs, possibly due to zoo.wtf influence. But while I couldn't find any data and research, it seemed like, maybe, a huge amount of zoophiles tended towards the right-wing and conservatism. No one knows better about the zoophile community than zoophiles. I'm glad we have this one, and I would not mail you if zoo.w2f were more far-right bullshit. Why are many zoophiles attracted to the far-right, even knowing they would probably be killed? Is it because the alt-right freedom of speech absolutism, the internet chan edgy culture, or something else? What historically could have made this weird change to the furry community towards zoophilia in the political spectrum? Why does today's furry far-right welcome zoophiles, and how come the progressives mostly don't? What is Zoot's position towards zoo fascism and the alt-right, and how should zoos and non-zoo furs fight it? How do we fight and convert fascist zoophiles? Is there a difference to the alt-right's defense of bestiality to the zoophile progressives? What's the difference? How do we bring back the controversial discussion about zoophilia and other alternative sexualities back into the left-wing furry community in a material and critical point of view? Ooh, quite a doozy. Mm-hmm. Well, geez, uh, so this is this is a non-zoo furry writing into our zoo podcast with some tough questions about politics. So Indeed. <laughs> I guess let's try to tackle this one thing at a time, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, What's the first question uh, the, there at the top? The first one here is, why are many zoophiles attracted to the far right, even knowing they would probably be killed? Well, that's the thing. I right. don't think that's entirely true. I think, generally speaking, zoophiles tend towards libertarianism broadly because a more oppressive government with more oversight over social structures would probably look down on human-animal pairings regardless of left or right. I think you're right there. I think they're not going to the alt-right, so to speak. They're hmm. going to far-right libertarianism. Absolutely. 
I know a few people who are on that side of things, and generally their idea is, look, every time some state government makes a law against something, it turns out badly for me. So I just want to hide away in my little farm and have my partner and just be left alone. And that's the idea that drives them towards that. I get right, that. Right, they don't want the government interfering in their relationships and sexuality, so yeah. they tend towards far-right libertarianism because far-right libertarianism is all about reduction of government as much as possible, in mm-hmm. theory. And then the fact of the matter is that there are certain segments of zoophiles that tend to be more rural, mm-hmm. and at least in the U.S., and I think everywhere, though, conservatism tends to flourish in rural places yeah. because they're more insular communities. Sure. What historically could have made this weird change to the furry community towards zoophilia in the political spectrum? We've discussed this on the show before, but it's probably greater visibility leading to this overwhelming desire to normalize and assimilate. I think you're absolutely spot on there. But I also think that what we're seeing is a larger trend in progressive circles in Western society where there has been an infiltration of the alt-right. And you'll see that by the leftist use of alt-right terms like degenerate very frequently. What you're seeing in furry is a microcosm of what you're seeing all over the place. There's a new generation of, I guess we'll say leftists, who hold very socially conservative beliefs that didn't exist before for a couple of reasons. One of which being that furry was still a lot less mainstream. So now that it's mainstream, many, many more people, especially young people, are finding it and because the younger people have this more socially conservative view of sexuality, they tend to be outspoken and they also don't want to be associated with it. Sure. Why does today's furry far-right welcome zoophiles and how come the progressives mostly don't? Not Hmm. sure that that dichotomy is quite accurate, but I think that, like, you can take a broader view of how the far-right tries to recruit people and Hmm. get a good picture of that. When far-right people find a cohort of disaffected males, and usually white males, they're going to latch on and say, hey, all those people over there, they hate you for this. Come join me. And then just slowly introduce the far-right ideology as, here's why you're not satisfied. Yeah, you're you're 100% accurate. I think I couldn't have put it better there. To answer the second part of that question, how come mm-hmm. progressives mostly don't? There are a couple of things there. One is some progressives feel that the do no harm principle is violated by Mm -hmm. bestiality. That particular progressive principle is is like amplified to 10,000 times what it normally should be. Uh, Everyone's very Mm -hmm. hyper vigilant. So they're always looking for harm. And that becomes the defining factor of certain groups of progressives when they're looking at things like sexuality. So it's fear of predation and harm. So that hypervigilance is really what it comes down to, I think. Sure. What is Zoot's position towards zoo fascism and the alt-right? And how should zoos and non-zoo furs fight it? Um, Do we ha- Zoo fascism is a new term for me. Yeah, um, I, I don't know <laughs> that term. I don't think I'm just zoo going fascism to say just, is a thing. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't know what zoo fascism is. Now, if you're talking about 
fascism in furry slash zoo spaces, Toggle, you're probably better situated to be able to <laughs> say what Zoot's position is if there's an official line. I think it's very safe to say that we are anti-fascist. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to like mince words there. We're anti-fascist. Fascism doesn't serve us in the first place. Like, as you have already kind of outlined, the fascists want us dead. So that doesn't really help us in any way. How should zoos and non-zoo furs fight it? That is a million dollar question. That's very tough sure. because that's that's something that everyone's wondering right now is how yeah. do you fight this growing kernel of fascism in society? Do you have any ideas, kind of file? I do have a couple. Some practical solutions that you can take. One of them would be essentially more community building as a whole. Any form of resistance requires some sort of strong and well-knit together community. So yeah. anything you can do that makes you closer to your neighbors and more able to resist fascist influence, the better that turns out to be. Right. Um, I guess I, I do have to say a healthy intolerance for intolerance is a good practice. Yeah. Part of what I want to do here is also make sure that people realize that there is a difference between fascism mm -hmm. uh, and conservatism. So oh, yeah. if you are sitting here and you are a conservative and your blood is boiling right now, please know that when we're talking about fascism, we're talking about fascism. So mm -hmm. please don't take this as an attack on your political beliefs there. Right. These aren't dog whistles. How do we fight and convert fascist zoophiles? How do we fight them? Well, we don't give them a pulpit. There's that, um, yes. And we are very visibly vocal against intolerance. I, I mean, as Pretty far much. as what's something that everyone can do, I think that's about as good as it gets. Sure. As far as conversion, what I would say about moving someone away from that is shame cannot be the only answer. Because that's what a lot of left-leaning slash liberal people tend to do with people they think are fascist. They just sort of dismiss them as a lost cause and then shame on you for being this and whatever. Don't make that the only thing you do. That is exactly what a fascist wants, essentially. Right. Because that isolation is what gives them an echo chamber to spread their ideas around. Right. And it's tough. That's that's really hard. Like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not I'm not the one. Yeah. But you're right. It is a sense of belonging that they're getting from those kinds of groups. And the only way to really counter that is to give them a better sense of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. While you should be intolerant of, say, transphobia or talking points of fascist superiority and things like that, we, we got to stop the mob. The mob yeah. can't be the way. Is there a difference to the alt-right's defense of bestiality to the zoophile progressives? What's the difference? I don't know so, the specific alt-right, quote-unquote, argument for that. Most of my experiences with conservative rather than alt-right justifications mm -hmm. for what they're doing, and when it comes to conservatives, they tend to have very specific ideas of how you're supposed to engage in bestiality, and if you're not doing that, then you are wrong. And you are just another pervert. There, there's a very elitist quality to that. Mm. I would suggest that we start with the do no harm principle and mm -hmm. assert that bestiality can be done without doing harm. Yeah. And if 
alt-right people were going to argue it, I think that harm is not really the, the major impetus. I think there's probably a sense of entitlement. I'm just going to try to extrapolate the difference in the arguments here with the difference between how red pill and progressive spaces view consent among human beings. Yes. Yeah. Like, and we're, kind of, we're kind of yeah. speculating here, but we're doing it based on you know, what we've on seen. On what these political ideologies are, and more importantly, the way both sides of the aisle view relationships. For progressives, consent is basically everything. It's like 90% of what makes a sexual act okay or not okay. And that is taken out of the do-no-harm principle. And then with progressive zoos, they would argue that animals, in their own sense, do consent, and no harm is done. And in fact, pleasure is taken from the act on both sides. Whereas in the red pill space, whether a sexual act is right or not is generally more related to the skill required to attain the act and also the dominance one would have over their sexual partner. So you know what's interesting about this? What you're saying actually kind of resonates because early in the Zoot podcast career, we critiqued Zooville for having, I don't I think it's Zoopilled people. Oh, right, right. Them, yeah. The basic argument that one of them laid out was that women are awful. They don't deserve men. Bitches are amazing. And the only people who can actually pleasure a bitch is a human man. And the value there is that a woman will betray you and never obey you, Mm -hmm. but a dog is faithful and will always obey you. Sort of a difference in the value between these different sexual objects in that view, but it's still the same focus on here is a sexual object and their value is high, therefore... I will pursue it. Right. And and let's just be clear that while we're describing this, we absolutely do not want to foster that in our community. So I guess that's as close to the difference as we are going to get. Pretty much. Yeah. So how do we bring the controversial discussion about zoophilia and other alternative sexualities back into the left-wing furry community in a material and critical point of view? Um, What a tough question. It is. I honestly do not know. It's hard to gauge, but in online furry spaces like Twitter, leftist furries are very reactionary and they're very defensive. And again, they're hypervigilant. And I think some of that hypervigilance needs to kind of wind itself down. And that might take a little bit of time. I think that being in front of researchers and getting research done is probably our next best goal. Because once it's more acceptable or there's a discussion to be had outside of the furry community, it'll definitely make it easier to have it in the furry community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that being visible is going to be a necessity. It's painful because being visible is also the reason why we're going to get backlash from furries. But until we have somewhere where we can actually say, okay, look, there's a lot of us here. We're very visible and we have things to say that discussion is probably not going to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen without us, but I think it will be very helpful to have people who aren't zoos actually start the discussion. People who are not zoos, but who are interested in zoo perspectives and who are not afraid 
to use whatever platform they have to gently introduce that subject back into the discourse Mm -hmm. in a positive way. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, I think that's everything. Thanks for writing in, Josesk. You gave us some pretty tough questions, so I hope we were able to do them justice. Last but certainly not least, here's a letter from Lou Cat, who's just gushing about how they love the zoo community. Lou writes, Howdy, friends. I wanted to write in and give a big thanks to you and pretty much the entire zoo community. I've only been active in the community for a year, and I can tell I've grown so much as a person. I'm healthier than I used to be, both mentally and physically. And I've learned to be open-minded because I've been surrounding myself with so many intelligent folks with new ideas that I've never even thought of. The philosophical discussions within this community are phenomenal and very eye-opening, especially to someone who grew up rather sheltered, such as myself. I have to say, zoos are probably some of the most intelligent groups of people that I've ever had the pleasure of talking with. I've learned not to dwell on or engage with people who are arguing in bad faith. My mental health has skyrocketed after I learned to report, block, and move on. It's seriously not worth arguing with those people. You can argue with them until your face turns red and they still would not hear you out. Definitely not worth anyone's time. Physical health has been great too. Ever since I went vegan, I've never felt better. And it's all thanks to the zoo community for educating and encouraging me to give it a try. Thank you all so much. It's great to connect with people who are as kind, passionate, caring, and intelligent as you all. Thank you for opening my mind and helping me to become a better person. I wouldn't be who I am today without every single one of you. Ah, Sorry, I had to gush about how wonderful this community is. (laughs) Now, a question for the Zoot crew. Why did you decide to put out a podcast every full moon? Is there a story behind this or is it a just because thing? Love ya. A skinny, lengthy, sassy, and bitchy gray cat, Lou. <laughs> Aw, that's a wonderful little ball of fluffy love. Uh, yeah, that's for all of you, Zoo community. That's for all your listeners who are engaging in the community. Mm. So thank you for being awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree wholeheartedly. I have had very little except for positive experiences being in and around the zoo community. I mean, you every once in a while see a troll or some other person you don't agree with, but for the most part, they tend to be very kind, empathetic, and intelligent people in my experience. So it's been it's been good. Yeah, I mean, zoos come in all flavors, I think, and I'm glad that all of the experiences you've had have been on the positive side. So to answer the question that you had... Why did we decide to put out a podcast every full moon? As I recall, we were shooting back and forth, me and Fausti, uh, about how the podcast should go, how often we should do it, etc. And the first episode, we were trying to figure out how are we going to get this out? We need to make sure we give ourselves enough time, please. And Fausti's dealing with cancer and just not always ripping ready to go. And so we're trying to put this thing together and we needed a deadline. So it was March. We said, okay, you know what would be cool is if we did it on the full moon because the full moon is like werewolves and howling at the moon and that would be kind of fun. And then so we'll just we'll put it out every full moon and that'll be a really cool idea. And so it, it really was just like <laughs> werewolves, <laughs> wolves, <laughs> howling, <laughs> lycanthropy. But yeah, that's basically it. 
nothing, yep. no grand elevated reason. It was <laughs> lycanthropy. All right. Well, thanks for writing in, Lou Cat. We're glad to hear you're feeling super, super positive. And thanks for listening. That's it for emails for now. Thanks to everyone who continues to write in. We love hearing from you. Up next, we're taking a very surreal flight with a wizard. And then we're kicking back and celebrating making it over the hill to 60 episodes. All of this coming up on Zooier Than Now, so stay tuned. Support for Zooier Than Now comes from Epiphany Pipeworks. Check out Epiphany's work at his Telegram channel at epiphany underscore pipeworks. That's E-P-I-P-H-I-N-Y. This episode is also made possible by Vacation, as well as by contributions from the Rodent Sabbatical Fund. Visit us on the web at zoo.wtf and subscribe using rss.zoo.wtf to get notified every time we're on the air. I got your bag. Aw, thanks, babe. Are you good with the window seat? Yeah, you can have the eye. I am so excited for Hawaii. (laughs) You're going to love it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for choosing to fly with us today. As we prepare for takeoff, please make sure your seatbelts are fastened and your tray tables are in their upright and locked position. Emergency exits are located in the front, middle, and back of the aircraft. Please take a moment to locate the exit nearest to you, keeping in mind that it may be behind you. In the event of a water landing, your seat cushion can be detached and used as a flotation device. In the event that oxygen masks drop, securely fasten the oxygen mask around your nose and mouth and breathe. Oxygen may be flowing even though the bag does not inflate. Our destination today is the big island of Hawaii. If you are on the wrong flight, please contact a flight attendant immediately. Finally, because all passengers are over the age of 21, we will be serving unlimited free alcohol. And because our pilot today is a wizard, in everyone's seatback pouch will be a painting of the person who you lost your virginity to, which will manifest after we have reached our cruising altitude and the seatbelt light has been turned off. What? Ooh, it's one of these flights? I've heard about these. Thank you, and enjoy your flight. Is it always a painting of the person you lost your virginity to? That that seems really, uh, personal. I'm sure the painting won't be in the act, Ron. No, but, like, uh... I guess he is a wizard. Let me just... Is there something I can help you with, sir? Yeah, you said this flight would have unlimited free alcohol? That is correct. Could I, uh, get some of that? We're supposed to wait until we reach our cruising altitude, but... What's your poison? (sighs) Just fuck me up with an entire bottle of whiskey. Ron! Scotch? Bourbon? Bourbon, please, and thank you. Alyssa? What, Ron? I love you. I love you too, babe. Here you are, sir. (sighs) Thank you. (coughs) Ah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you always this nervous on planes? No, this time it's something really particular. What is it? Ladies and gentlemen, the seatbelt light has been turned off as we have reached our cruising altitude. 
The pilot has informed me that the painting of the person you lost your virginity to should have appeared in the pouch in front of you. If you do not have a painting and believe that you should have one, please call a flight attendant and we'll get it figured out. Thank you. Oh, look, Ron, it's you all dressed up on prom night. Oh, you look so cute. You're still cute, but this really takes me back. It's really lucky we found each other. How do I look? I don't think we need to uh, look at that. Uh, you're still the same person I fell in love with all those- Oh, come on, I want to see. Pull it out. <sighs> okay. Here goes nothing. Please, 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 but- Fuck. Uh, what is that supposed to mean? Alyssa? Yes? I want to say again, I love you. I technically never lied to you about this, but this is my painting of the, uh, person I lost my virginity to. Oh my god! Ron, that is a horse! Yeah, well, look, that guy's is a horse too. Hey, check it out. Mine's a horse. <laughs> Dave, is that you? Hey, let me see that. Oh, dude, check it out. Same horse. Dude. Actually, holy shit, a lot of peoples are animals. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, that man has two dogs in his painting, which, goddamn, we'll count that as one. Ron, we are not talking about other people right now. We are talking about... Okay, what the fuck? You're right, though. That is so many dogs in these paintings. Is this common? It's like easily more than half the people on the plane. I wouldn't have guessed it was that common, but I don't think the wizard would be making this up. He is a wizard. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen and folks of other persuasions. Uh, this is Arndolius the Wise, your pilot speaking. Uh, real quick show of hands, would anyone be interested if I turned the lavatory into a pocket dimension? Give everyone some room to walk around. I think I can pull it off. Uh, da, 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 uh, yeah, okay, it looks like most of you are interested. Uh, let's see. Strangeness, I've been cast upon this thin and flimsy door. Turn the lavatory beyond into a realm much more. Hey! Fuck to mention is green light go for anyone who is interested. Also, feel free to stop by the cockpit if you want. Doors open. Should we go check out the pocket dimension? We are not done talking about that horse. We can talk about the horse in the pocket dimension. Yeah, okay. Seriously, this is so many animals, and this is just everyone's first time. Imagine how many more there are. I don't want to hear any more about everyone else's animals, Ron. Just the horse. Scarlet, by the way. Oh, god damn it! I was hoping you didn't know her name. It's a she, at least? What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. No, really. I just... I feel like the person I thought I knew was someone else entirely now. I thought I was your first love, and you were mine. Now you have this whole other chapter, and I don't know how to feel about it. It wasn't really love with her, for what it's worth. Don't get me wrong, I liked her plenty, but it was kind of a good friends with benefits thing. So this was more than once? <sighs> yeah. How many times? A million? Shut up. <laughs> but, like, uh, pretty regularly for a while. Oh, wow. Oh, 
That is an enormous fountain. How far out do you think the trees go? Ooh, a bar. Want anything? Uh, yeah, I'll take a margarita. On it. Yep. So, what do you want to talk about? Was she prettier than me? Uh, Apples to oranges. Okay, that was the wrong answer. But I was joking for the record. I know. And for the record, you are very beautiful. Okay, horse guy. What? Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking to me. Uh, Hey, can I get a Jack and Coke? Uh, you know what? Coming right up, boss. On the rocks? Yes, please. Hey, nice horse. She's a beauty. Thanks. Take care, guy. Yep. So, where were we? When were you and her an item? It would have been the summer before you and I started dating. I'd known her the summer before that also, but we weren't an item at that time. So you never cheated on me with a horse? No, I never saw her again after that summer. Oh, did she die? (sighs) I don't know. Mr. Davis, who she belonged to, sold her. I never saw her again after that. Horses can live a while, but that's not guaranteed. She might be alive, she might not be. I don't know. Come here. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Can I see that painting again? Yeah. Well, I can live with it. Yeah? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, and all other distinguished passengers with us today, uh, this is Arndolius the Wise, your pilot speaking once again. Me and my uh, co-pilot are in uh, a bit of a disagreement. I believe that principally there is no reason to say that one couldn't do a barrel roll in a passenger airliner, but uh, show of hands, who wants me to try a trick? Wow, nobody? Wow, not a single person. Uh, okay, fine. I'll keep flying the plane straight for now. But I'll be back again in 20 minutes after you've all thought about it some more. Uh, what was she like? I mean, I don't know if horses have personalities. Oh, they do. She was fiery, let me tell you. But if you'd show her the respect she knew she deserved, she'd work with you. We didn't click right away, but when we did, there was such a solid bond there. There was this one time Mr. Davis came around while she and I were in the stable and I was brushing her. And she noticed... She had a star. On the forehead That was easy to find When I let down Her bridle Saw into her hazel eyes We had a deep Understanding Never had to use a bit Was a mutual Arrangement And an honest Welcome back, fellow zoos, and we are joined by Aqua. Hi. <laughs> Mike. Woo. And Kion. Woof. And of course, I'm your host, Toggle, and this is Kynophile. Hello. <laughs> All right, so I want to start this off, you guys, with an email mm-hmm. that I received from Harvey, who wants to give us some food for thought. And this was a tough question. Oh, good. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
Would you rather be a zoo in the early 2000s before the widespread criminalization of zoo sexuality, or would you rather stay a zoo now when there's a clear movement for the destigmatization of our sexuality and more of a unified, at least to me anyways, zoo community? That is the question that they, they have posed. That's an interesting one. The answer is yes. <laughs> The answer is I was a zoo in the early 2000s. Yeah. That's right. There is that, but I, I, <laughs> I oh, pretty really. much avoided the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I dipped my toe in the water and I was out of there in probably six months. I didn't like it. Huh. Mm-hmm. Work, mm-hmm. really? I didn't like what I found. Mm-hmm. I understand. That doesn't mean that's all there was. Mm-hmm. Right. You know well, how the East yeah, Forum I mean, was. Right. Yeah. I think maybe we. we bring this question back to something a little bit slightly different and mm-hmm. being an adult zoo is a part of the zoo community and let's say not early 2000s let's say like 1990s mm-hmm. uh, because early hmm. early 2000s is is kind of when things started being criminalized and maybe that's why it kind of yep. feels like this might be the wrong question i was ferociously open about being <laughs> zoo in the 90s i know tell so so which do you prefer? It's not fair. There's someone from every time period. I prefer open. I mean, I, I'd rather be it not be a big deal. Yeah. Having to have that concern these days is really annoying, especially when they start passing stupid laws that are criminalizing for no good reason for no victim crimes. Mm-hmm. Ah. Maybe right, exceptions right. for everything else, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So you, you, you prefer the 90s then? As far as the the openness is concerned, oh yeah. Well, as far as everything is concerned, what do you think? Mm. What other factors would go into that decision? I mean, we have gay marriage now. That there is that. It, oh, it, it yeah. is a factor in my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. That is a good fucking point. Uh, yep. There was a lot of gay fear around, especially amongst the people who were gay in the eighties. Uh, right. We didn't have prep yet. I mean, it, there's advances and medicine and some legal situations that make it more advantageous now. The fact is the internet's made everything, everybody knows about everything. And yeah. it used to be that if you weren't interested, you wouldn't know about it because you just never bothered. Understandable. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why I prefer it the other way. I prefer the modern zoo community to the sort of more ancient one. Because to ancient. M- even though it's more visible to the outside world and to hostile parties, as it were. I think it's also more visible to those who are supportive or neutral to it. And I think that Mm. while I can't say for certain whether that will tend towards the good, I think it's better for the zoo community to be united and talking to each other rather rather than having small enclaves in every state and county. Yeah, I think I, I, I incline to go with what I'm familiar with which is how it is now, we'll get the chance to really talk about like what it was like in the 90s. In addition to your input, Kion, of course. But I think you're right. I think queerness in general is a lot better of a situation than it, now than it was in the 90s. So even as zoosexuality was not illegal then, there's so many other factors of queerness that, that factor in that make the 90s a lot harder. I remember Ellen DeGeneres lost her goddamn show for coming out. That's the mm-hmm. 90s. You could lose your television show for being gay. Yep. So, yep. And we had Matthew Shepard. Oh my god, and Matthew Shepard was 1997, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
That was a turning point, though, because eventually that was so heinous that we had legislation pretty quickly after that. Right. So late 90s, things start to turn around, I guess. Yeah. Here's a thought. Do you think what we're trying to do now would be possible in the 90s? Like, could we have gotten ahead of this? I don't think so. I feel like at best it was all just tolerance. There is that. Also, the fact that I'm not sure if in the 90s there would have been enough open-mindedness to other perspectives to allow for some form of the Great Zoo Awakening in the same way that it is now. It just seems as if there was this one united American culture that you either were a part of or weren't. Since then, it's sort of branched out into all these little mini-cultures, and that's mostly what the internet is at this point. It's essentially everyone has their own little mm. thing, and they can find who they want to. So let me let me think about this. Would we be able to do what we're doing now then? I don't think we would have had the impetus to do what we're doing now then. Yeah. I think that if we had decided to do something... We could have easily gotten ahead of the idea of animals not being able to consent by being visible quickly, but we also probably wouldn't have necessarily known to start trying to, like, maybe maybe we actually it would be nice to not have to try and start in that paradigm, right? But there was no reason to do it yet. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, at the time, it would have felt very extra. Like, <laughs> like oh, you're one of those guys. I think people still do. Oh, you're one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> but <No>. like, <laughs> did anyone else have anything to weigh in on that question? It's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I was just gonna say I didn't connect really when I when I first joined the community, and that was uh, mm-hmm. yeah, call it early mid two thousands, and probably before that it would have been about the same, right? You get these little cliques and fiefdoms. Um, <laughs> fiefdoms. Fiefdoms, yes. Nowadays, no, I, I really do like the community, the actual community that we have right now. And I think mm-hmm. there were there were specific pieces that were instrumental to that, right? Mm-hmm. Even if the legal situation is not as good. So I guess that's the question, right. right? Would you prefer to be able to be open rather than having a good community? I think I'd actually prefer the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's part of the question because, I mean... There, there's, there's a lot of what was it like in the 90s versus what it's like now that comes into that. But that's definitely right. a really valid one. Yeah, I'm with Mike on this. I didn't really feel a need to be open about any of this until 2018 or so. You can guess right. why. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Before that, I had a handful of people who knew, and that was enough. And I didn't really feel like I needed anyone to talk to until I started seeing things getting really ugly. I don't know that I would ever thought to bring it up to a therapist until mm. I really kind of needed that. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess there was Trial a crucible there. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I brought it up to the bishop. Word. The bishop of the Mormon <laughs> church? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know the Mormon church had a bishop. They do. It's not the same kind of bishop like the Catholics. It's it's like the parson or the, the priest of the congregation. Okay, oh, tell okay. me what the bishop thought about it. Well, he thought that I knew what he should say and that he didn't really have much to say about it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> by, by inference, and, and this is by no means canonical because I've never been in the leadership of the Mormons, it appears that the Mormons' official, like, the, the way they act is as if their position is, we really don't care. 
it <laughs> doesn't harm anybody. And if you can be a good Mormon and also screw your dog, then that's fine. How <laughs> sensible. It, it, it's, yeah, right? It's kind of like they don't seem to like have any direct response to it. When I came out to them, they're just kind of like, okay, I understand. They weren't like surprised or horrified or anything. Just like, yeah, that's here in my book. People do that. <laughs> that's were, fascinating. At not, the time, not at all the reaction I expected. At the time in the 90s, I was, they were more concerned about me being gay. Right. You Far know, more concerned. Yeah. That is. Right. Isn't that fucking funny? It is. Oh, man. That's hilarious. How times have changed. No, yeah. the, the expectation was that you'd be trying things out or whatever, and that you would eventually find a wife. If you're gay, then it's mm. like you are different, that you're not going to have a wife, and you are therefore wrong in some way. It's a threat to our population. The only way to grow the church is to have more kids. More <laughs> kids. Yes. I don't know. I haven't had puppies yet. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying. Yeah. All right. I have another, another email. No, not another email, but I do have another random question for you. Sure. All right. So if your legs were replaced with animal legs, what animal would you choose? Would you be replacing your arms as well? You know, as... Nope, just your legs. Just but they will be proportional satyrs. to your body. Whatever you have is proportional to your body. Mm. Oh my Meaning God. it would be able to stand you up on two legs, even if, like, the normal animal couldn't. <laughs> Correct, yes. Correct. Uh, I think I'd be, be a fawn. A fawn? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going full satyr here. Yeah. I'm so down with the satyr vibe. I kind of like the yeah. Ursula octopus legs thing. Like, I think that Hell would be yeah. pretty awesome. To, <laughs> yeah, can you have more even than Even be able to suction yes. onto walls and ceilings and stuff. So, yeah. Ooh. So if it was like waist down, I'd choose maybe like a donkey or something. Donkey is sure. good. Yeah, what else is with the it legs? It was literally just, just the, legs, the legs. Maybe I'd just do paws. Well, we're going right? to... Because of the, the, the group that's here, we're going to say you get the junk, too. Oh, God. Yes. Of course. <laughs> Donkey dick for the win. You know, there is something to be said for for hooves as far as having built-in shoes. Yeah, you're always just wearing shoes sure. all the time. Uh. Yep. Clip-clop. I dig a satyr. So, I think I'm going I'm going for the satyr. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's have mad satyr love. It'll be fun. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. Oh, so, yes. kind of file. I was going full Ursula. All right, Aqua. I'm trying to come up with something original here, and I can't. It doesn't I think have we got to be it. original. <laughs> Which one are you going to do? No, from, I, from I the think waist it has down, to be... You're just uh, like a hemicircle of water? <laughs> oh, that'd be weird. <laughs> it would be, but it'd be very adaptable to anywhere you wanted to go, really. Except, <laughs> except for paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're your kryptonite. Unless we get to say that I can have like a tail and tail flukes instead, then I'm just gonna go with donkey. That sounds great. A tail sure. tail flukes? What's that? Yeah, if I could be like half dolphin. Oh, oh, oh! Instead of mm. yeah, well, I mean, well, you'd be basically a boomer man. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to live in the water, I guess. That'd be a tough one. I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Seals manage. <laughs> Seals managed to work it out. Yeah, there's the novel answer and there's the practical answer. Yeah, <laughs> with the better equipment. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So if I really had to do this, I think it would be donkey. Yeah, I think donkey is a good choice. I'd suck I'm that. Down. Yeah, <laughs> I'd suck on that. Mm -hmm. Tapirs are nice too. <clears throat> Who? Tapirs or tap? I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's tapirs. It's yeah, those are pretty interesting dicks. 
they all just reach out and say hello. <laughs> Handshakes. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, I may have to revise and go right back with like a big dog. I mean, it's just, I like dogs so much. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'd love dog dogs legs, but I don't know. Well, you said I got the junk. Oh, yeah. You yeah, had the junk. You got the knot. The voice of dog. Mm-hmm. Hello, yes, this is dog. There's a podcast <laughs> called The Voice of Dog. There is a podcast <laughs> called The Voice stories. of Dog. It's really good. It's entertaining. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Good stuff. Did, did you see Doug? They had an animation with Doug and the grandpa in from Up. D- oh, no. Doug? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. The, yeah, new, the cartoon, you mean? Yeah, the new cartoon shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, I, I saw some to... of them. They're very cute. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, he got a new house. It's the same as but the old one, one have balloons. balloons. No, oh, no balloons this time. Balloons for the, you know. We don't talk mm. about the balloons. <laughs> <laughs> a zoo and Kanto type house. Now, there's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Zoo and Kanto? And Kanto, the Disney movie with all the... the oh, and oh, Kanto. Okay, I thought you yes. said, like, Kanto, like the Kanto region of Japan. <laughs> so oh, the Pokemon are. Are we doing Zoo Pokemon? Okay, so and in Kanto-type house, what... Obviously, obviously, my power is to talk to animals. That's it. Just to talk to them? They had the guy who could, like, transform into all the shapes. That would be interesting. Oh, that's a fun yeah. one, too. Hmm. Uh. What's your what's your Encanto superpower? I can mm. transform my dick into whatever animal I want. <laughs> yes. Into Oh. Oh no, Toggle, why are you there? <laughs> you know what I meant. Awful. <laughs> oh my it's god. Not what you, said. you just want to keep the thumbs, don't Fuck you? Fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. My power would be to stay witty even while recording. <laughs> That's a helpful power. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Would be. Aqua, what are you thinking? Oh, for my superpower? Yeah, your Encanto superpower, the one granted to you by the magical house. He's already super powerful. This is the problem yeah, with dude. going last. All the good ones <laughs> are taken. Last. <laughs> you can totally copy someone else's answer. It's not like. Go with sure. more lust. You can't go wrong with lust. Obligatory animal penis. Yeah. yeah, a Beast Boy one is pretty good too, though. Mm. Yeah. Beast Boy type style. Automatically teleporting to every furry convention. <laughs> Just as it starts. Yeah. Oh, I would get so tired of that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> really? You get oh, tired yeah. of being able to teleport? No, if I could only teleport to furry conventions. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> What a limitation. It would be the perfect setup for being a vendor because that's their main expense is getting there. Boom, you're there. Mm -hmm. No, no. (laughs) It would be cool for about six months. Ah. And then, then, like, I would get into trouble. Like, I would try to do two things at once. I'd try to go to two cons on the same weekend. Oh, right. And then some... Like some Mrs. Doubtfire shit would end up happening. Like I'd, I'd warp into a party wearing absolutely the wrong thing. This is not the uh, the underwear party, is it? No. Damn. My mistake. Puff. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's right. If there's like two cons going on at the same time, you can just teleport instantly, constantly between the two. Man, I wouldn't have to take so much fucking time off if I could just poof yeah, right I mean, there. Please? MFF. Travel is so time-consuming. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just want to poof everywhere. Just poof. <laughs> In general. In general. I love poofing I'm a big everywhere. poof. <laughs> All right, so to, to answer your question, because transforming into an animal or having animal parts is already taken, and it's so obvious, mm-hmm. I think I would, I would want something like 
immediate insight. Wow, that's good. Make a great psychologist. Yeah. Or be the worst one. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let me tell you exactly what your fucking problem is. Yeah, shortest sessions ever. That's funny. Going back mm. to Zooey stuff, we've had mm. 60 episodes. This is our 60th episode, my friends. Mm-hmm. That's four seasons. First season is almost like two seasons. Yeah. Wow. Little so, short of 69. Oh, damn. Not we have quite. to do something special for that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, half of us will record upside down. Oh, yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, so thinking back, what are some of your favorite episodes of the entire series? I might make you pick one, but mm-hmm. we can talk about a couple. I'm going to make Aqua go first. Great. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick one I didn't work on. <laughs> okay, good idea. Of course. Well, those are the worst ones. I can't do that. Hold on. I got to I got to get the list up. There's so many. There are there's 60, in fact. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> I think the one that I like the most that just mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Like it was done. I woke up one day and listened to it just like I did the first couple seasons before I joined. Mm-hmm. Was the religion episode? Oh, that was yeah, good. yeah, that was a good one. Well, you hosted mm-hmm. that one, didn't you? I did with Jack and one other person who is Mark. I think was his name. Basically, there was a whole lot of history of paganism and Native American beliefs, and a whole lot of different perspectives on what religious beliefs had to say about Zoophilia. Yeah, what is your favorite? I gotta say that my favorite would be probably the one where you interviewed, I believe it was Lovecat's mom? Oh, um, Lovecat's dad. Lovecat's Doodle, dad. Doodle's yes, yes, yes. That's on. right. Oh, right. And it yeah. was Doodle's mom. Look at, yeah. The one where you were talking to like non zoos about their zooey relatives and how, you know, they reacted to the news and what they hoped for for their kids and all that stuff. It was very heartening. Tis the season for coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. That is the one. Yeah. Definitely a standout. I feel like that was the one of the episodes where we were like, wow, we're doing the thing. You know, exactly. this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that was a really big one. That was the first time Lovecat hosted. How about you, Kion? Oh, my God. You put me on the spot big time because you know <laughs> how... I didn't even take... I didn't even did make you, you go first, Kion. Yeah, I know. But still, I, I, I have a terrible tendency to be involved enough in the proofing of the shows <laughs> that I often don't want to listen to the show because I've heard all the pieces of it in different out of order. I've done it a couple times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. I, I think that the Legal Beagles way, way back, um, yeah. most of the episodes I listened to were actually early episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Mike, what is yeah. your favorite? I enjoyed the, the college radio one, but I think my personal yeah. favorite would have actually been the, oh, what did they call it? The Tales of Zoo History, right? Stuart was what you'd call them. Oh, that wasn't Tales of Zeus history. Stuart was, uh, oh, that I was going oh, mad. That was actually, okay, I don't know about the title. That oh, yeah, was, yeah, there was a there was a Tales of Zeus history episode with Steve. Yeah. So was yours was Going Mad. <laughs> going Mad. Going Mad was my favorite one because, I don't know, we need more just history, I guess. But, I mean, I guess yeah. Tales of Zeus history was a good one, too, as well, back then. But, I don't know, the production values for Going Mad were much higher as well. Yes. But, uh, oh, man. I was just, just like, everything. I the was narrative, pretty stoked. 
the narrative framework and everything like that. It was the way the way you kind of jimmied the music around the words and made it like pop out like that. Oh, oh it yeah, great. it was high effort, but mm-hmm. it was a high reward too. So like when I'm thinking about this, I keep coming like we keep like doing something that's cooler and cooler and cooler and just getting cooler. <laughs> and so it's it'll like hard stop. for me not to be like. You guys, like, the last episode was fucking baller. Like, that was so good, because the last episode was really good, if you like the Going Mad one. Yeah, because that was the one I fought the law, right? It was the same kind of setup. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What would I think is my favorite? so hard. I would say I'm a big fan of doing things shorter. I also really loved how all the skits (laughs) turned out with the Halloween episode this past year. Oh, yeah. Oh my god, you remember that one of the very first things I talked about this show was that I thought things needed to be more brief and short. You wanted (laughs) things to be 15 minutes long. I do, still. (laughs) 15 minutes is very difficult to make content in. So anyway, that's our show, listeners. Goodbye! (laughs) And you get more later. That's the the modern time. I mean, we're talking the TikTok generation here, right? True enough. We're going to just do little, like, 10-minute things once a month. Yeah, but it's, it's. I mean, it's hard to have like a, a really involved like interview in 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. And you can do skits, but if like all we're doing is skits, that's actually a lot more work it <laughs> than is. it would be just to sit and talk. Right. Writing um, writing skits is, is tough. And I'm not the idea factory I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get those kids on it. <laughs> yeah. So I loved how that Halloween episode turned out from beginning to end. It was so much fun. It was hilarious, but also touching. I was down for that that who mix. Wrote, who wrote the Sniff Snoof skit? The Sniff Snoof skit was our new writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's something they submitted a while back before they started writing with us. More, mm-hmm. more. The person who did the Sniff Snoof skit also did the airplane skit. Excellent. <laughs> it's, it's just off the wall and just, I don't know, corny but also touching yeah 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 it's so funny yeah so i'm gonna go with that although the one that i share the most is get help oh by far yeah that's probably the most useful and i almost i kind of wish it weren't as long as it is because but there's so much good stuff in it yeah Uh, you can always make a cut down version of it too yeah to just break it into chunks Mm-hmm. What what is the longest one we've done? Is it still the furry fandom? No, that was never the longest. The longest we've done is either get help or healthy happy zooey twenty twenty. Yeah, healthy happy zooey twenty twenty. I think was three and a half hours. I think get help is also three and a half hours. Some of the ones Sigma mm-hmm. and I did ran a little long. I don't know how, how yeah, they were in the, Yeah, they were about two and a half to three hours. Yep. Right. Season three was a lot of really long episodes, but they were all so <laughs> juicy, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Full of meat. Yeah. But I'm really loving the, the more compact, like hour and a half time block. And so I'm going to say you guys can probably expect more of that because that's really where I'm going to be trying to get us down to. Feels good hour to an hour and a half all right i'm gonna ask you guys another off the wall question because sure. i i really want to hear this i think it's gonna be really right. interesting to hear what your answers are what was the first record tape cd or download that you ever bought the first one you hmm. ever bought with your own money specifically your own money <laughs> i think it was like a few years at the thrift store actually oh yeah which one you get? Um, Chantal Kriviazic is one of Canada's lead singers back in the 90s. Ah. Ooh, 
I'm not familiar with that. Did they ever have a hit that I would know? Oh, I don't even know. I mean, actually, <laughs> nowadays, I know I prefer Sarah McLaughlin. All right, yeah. You're you're all you're going full arms in the angel. That was a little later. Her surfacing album. That, that's when she became, I guess, really popular. I liked her earlier stuff where she had, um, I don't know, there's a bunch of these, these crooning ones like Mercy, as well as oh. I need to look up some of these. <laughs> so you like a, a powerful female vocal? I like, yeah, and I like complexity, I guess. Rather uh, than just someone singing a random pop song or whatever. Interesting. The tone of the vocals come through and with like very interesting kind of backing guitars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette like, has some really good ones. Alanis Morissette is a goddess. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, Jagged Little, Jagged Pill, Little Pill yeah, so is a masterpiece. Wasn't she God herself? Yeah, she was <laughs> she God. Was, she was. I remember that. She In was God. Yep. Yeah. But she has a lot of these duality things. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I don't know, really hitting hard for me lately. Ah. If you listen to, um, what's it called? Hand in My Pocket. I was just about to say Hand in My Pocket. What is it? I'm brave, but I'm chicken shit. Yeah. Yep. Like, this is just all oh, that. that. Like, I feel like that today. Okay. Oh, yeah. Got one hand in my pocket and the other one is doing, <laughs> doing something random. random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Playing a piano. Hailing a taxi cab. Take your hand out of your pocket, bitch. <laughs> going around just one hand. She accidentally glued it in her pockets. So now she has to yeah, do everything else with one there. hand. <laughs> oh, well, make the best of it. <laughs> I'm really interested in your answer. What was your first album kind of file? The first album that I would have bought would have been sometime in high school, I think. And it would have been mm-hmm. the Into the Woods original Broadway cast recording. Honestly. Nice. Um, yeah. Good choice. Yeah, that is a show that people who aren't really that much in the theater would dismiss just because it it's a bunch of fairy tales it's literally the big bad wolf in little red riding hood but yeah but there's so much more than that though well yeah not only is there a ton of symbolism carried over from the original stories but also the second act of the show completely recognizes how these fairy tale tropes just fall apart when there's actual danger so like Right. Just right. everyone who was one of the good guys in the earlier part, they try doing the same things they did and it fails to serve them because the problems they're dealing with are more complicated and morally fraught. And so mm. they have to deal with it. Oh, yeah. That's a good choice. Mm-hmm. You were you were doing the music theater thing really, really oh, early. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, 11 or 12 was the first show I did, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What was your first show? Pippin. Pippin. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. Every high school drama club does Pippin. Well, they do because it's about a high schooler journeying to glory and learning that it's best to just stay, get married and have a family and work. You know, just do that. <laughs> perfect. That's yes. kind of the moral of that. That story. is the perfect uh, high school. Traditional uh, values. Values, <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Or you can kill yourself in a flashy way, but that ending That's usually doesn't happen. I want to respond with that. Tried that, didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Kion, yeah. I'm really interested in what the first oh god CD you bought. So this is interesting to, to a certain degree because I was like 19 or so, and because I grew up dirt poor, we didn't yep. buy music. At least I didn't buy music personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I encountered a wonderful steel drum band at the festival in Portland, Oregon. Oh. 
and I bought their CD right or from from with from where they were playing. It, nice. It's called Music for Bad Guys. Oh. And and the group is called Bakra Bata. Oh wow. It's it's steel steel drum band. It, it starts out with samba pati. It's got melody d'amore, a redemption song, back bass shuffle, <laughs> lover man, moon dance. I mean, it's like all these tunes that I kind of know from being young, but done on steel drums. And I I just still love this album. Oh wow, that is a very eclectic choice. <laughs> First album, I love it. Of course, you're still into the the folk music type of deal. Oh, come on. I I literally just came back from playing Irish folk music for three hours downtown in a bar. (laughs) 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 It's interesting how long those things stick with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm bringing it to you, Aqua. Are you ready for it? Yep. Totally ready. Tell me. I'm ready. Was it Aqua? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) You're not a part (laughs) of (laughs) <laughs> no, not oh. even a doctor. doctor so doctor. I actually bought two. Um, okay. The first CDs I bought with my own money were Nirvana, Nevermind, Good and choice. Space Oddity. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wow. David no, Bowie. Mm. Uh, wow. Both of them on cassette. Mm-hmm. And both of them before I had a cassette player. See, he, he knew who's going to answer this question today, and he's like, okay, I need to I need to make sure the first thing I buy is really good. No, the reason... <laughs> so I had the benefit of an older sibling. The problem was we had a CD player, but I knew I wouldn't get away with playing Nirvana on the CD player in the right. living room. Mm. And so I'm like, this needs to be small. I need to keep it out of sight, whatever. I don't want this taken away from me. I was almost ready to buy a Nine Inch Nails album. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my God. Oh God. I knew How old were ex- you? I'm not going to say that. But, okay. So, the, But the problem was, so I'll indirectly answer your question about my age. I had mm-hmm. just learned that it's useless to buy the thing that plays the thing if you don't have any money left for the things that get played, mm. which I did with a Game Gear. So you went the other way. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> so I saved up all my money for a while, and I bought a Game Gear, and then for months... I was stuck just playing the Lion King that was bundled with it. And Ugh. I was so sick of it after a week. It was not a good game. So I bought the cassettes first and then set about getting a Walkman. Yep. Right. See? That's a good choice. I'm, I'm so trying to imagine I, how much trouble somebody would get in for buying, like, Pretty Hate Machine when they get in trouble for buying Nirvana. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I had my choice of great albums that I all wanted. Like, I. I eventually got around to buying a cassette for Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Nice uh, choice. That one was either lost or stolen or confiscated, and I don't remember which. Uh, so much sure of my I music just, was that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just loaned it out and never saw it again. Bastards. Yeah, but that was it. Like, I didn't have a CD player until much later. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I grew up always having some kind of, like, CD, like, tape player. Like, I was always able to access that stuff. And most of my memories of like, oh, what was that stuff that that was seminal or like was little is like stuff that I got. So I got from my parents. I even got Nirvana from like my parents' music collection. So most of the music that I have gotten has been just people giving me shit. Yeah, I wish my parents were cool like that. You know what I got (laughs) for Christmas one year? What's that? The Lion King soundtrack. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know why? What was it? Because you were playing the Lion King over and over and over again? Yes. Uh, they oh observed no. that I was playing that game nonstop 
they didn't realize it's because I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so they're like, Oops. oh, they really like The Lion King. Yeah, that's very uh, funny. Joke's on yeah. you, parents. I really did like The Lion King a lot. oh my god so early memories i have i remember listening to hip-hop with friends and on the radio but i didn't like go and get it myself and i remember first getting introduced to like punk and underground hip-hop from other people and from like playstation uh tony hawk specifically but i didn't go and like get it myself so the first thing that i bought for myself was in 2003 on Adult Swim they had just started playing Fully Cooly and right before they started playing Fully Cooly they were advertising for it and the first thing I heard was the song Carnival by The Pillows it's this really fucking cool riff it's just like and immediately fell in love with that I was like I have to have that song I don't know what that song is or who did it but I have to have it Right. And so I found out it was by a band called The Pillows. And so I saved up my money and went on YesAsia.com and spent 30 bucks to buy the album that that song was on. And it's called Happy Bivouac. And that was the first thing that I bought for myself. And that album was so good. So if you like Fully Cooly, so much of the music from Fully Cooly is on Happy Bivouac. Like Last Dinosaur, Carnival, their oh, Beautiful Morning with You is like fucking dope. That album is like, f- like it's really upbeat. It's pretty happy and like major tonality, but most of the songs, like the drums are just like, they're like banging those drums and they have the mix cranked up so that they're overdriven half the time, and it's so much fun. I still love that album. It's a banger from from beginning to end. So Happy Bivouac, if you haven't gotten this album guys it's good it comes from the japanese music market yes it does it is by the pillows and they're a japanese band they did the soundtrack for fully Cooly. what's the first anime you ever saw Ooh. oh geez. cowboy bebop no it's it's dragon ball z oh uh, yeah yes on I, I, toonami on think. toonami yep watch dragon ball z after school every day mm-hmm. oh yeah but the too. first wow time I was aware of something being an anime and that being a thing was Cowboy Bebop. Mm. I remember when it was announced. That was also Adult Swim. That's right. That was like their first starting lineup. They announced that Mm -hmm. Adult Swim was happening and that there's a show called Cowboy Bebop. And they showed pictures of it and I was like, that looks cool as fuck. I'm going to stay up really late. I'm 10 years old. Right. (laughs) I'm going to stay up really late on a Sunday night. I don't care if I have school in the morning. We're going to watch Cowboy Bebop. I saw the first episode and I was like, this is the best thing to ever happen. I see. The first weird anime I saw was Gao Kaiser. Gao Kaiser? Yeah, I don't know if that's an actual like thing people know about or if it's like just some random thing and I happened to catch it <laughs> late night I, someday. What, what was no it? Idea. I don't know. There were sex scenes and I was like <gasps> too, too young to see them. Oh no. Oh my God. What channel was that? Oh, I don't even know. I was Gao over at Kaiser. someone's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things, right? You're like, oh, let's watch the late night stuff, and it's like, oh my, <laughs> oh, oh my. Uh, ooh. What is this? <laughs> Why does she have such large orbs? Orbs. Uh, oh no, <laughs> I, I feel funny. Oh my god. Yeah, I feel like Dragon Ball Z doesn't count because it's like everyone's first anime. 
Yeah. If they're not, if they weren't I like an anime technically nerd, technically mine would be Sailor Moon, like from early. Sailor Moon oh, is yeah. also a good choice. It is, yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying. I'm still racking my brain to try and figure out what what anime I would have seen first. Astro and, Boy. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> now look here, oh you little whippersnapper. snapper. <laughs> Speed Racer actually counts too. Yeah. I did watch Speed yeah, yeah. Racer a lot when I was little. Yep, I think that's probably my first. I wasn't exposed to that kind of media when I was young. My exposure to like that kind of storytelling is graphic novels. Oh, mm-hmm. and and I think first? I seem to remember getting a few pe- episodes of Ranma One Half manga. Ah, oh yeah, and classic. I was greatly entertained by the transformation stuff, which is. Oh yeah, a big thing for me always has been. Yep, that makes sense. That's that's where the light bulb goes off. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed like based that. on your answer about animal parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good choice from a one half. So yours a speed racer? I think it must have been. Yeah, uh, yeah it was I either remember. that or accidentally catching part of an episode of like Ninja Scroll or something when I really shouldn't have. Oh no, was Ninja Scroll actually on TV? It was on tape if you had a friend who lived in the right place. There are so many very cool anime stories. Netflix is a treasure trove these days, I tell you. Oh, yeah. Like, anime has now conquered the world, right? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. They're finally, finally just figuring out that furries are a good thing. Like, they always have, like... <laughs> it's oh, funny, because yeah. they have all of these things, and, like, we have to make one furry character, and everyone's going to love that one character. It's so rare that they're like, oh, yeah... Everyone should be a furry character. What a time to be alive. I, I know. I think that's fascinating because Western animation is all furries all the time. Mm-hmm. There are a like, lot of them, yeah. We like we're all about furries. And it's really interesting to me to know that anime creators and manga creators love furries, but mm-hmm. never make them. And I remember mm-hmm. I tell this story a lot because it's fascinating is that Akira Toriyama, when creating Dragon Ball, originally wanted Goku to be a monkey. Just mm-hmm. always a monkey. Right. But they were like, no, no, kids won't like that. We ah, should right. make him human. Oh. Well, he would have like, been that weird, gross-looking monkey. It wouldn't have been like a regular... I think he would have been adorable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But can you imagine what the entire rest of the franchise could have been like if he were a monkey? I know. They kind of got away with it, though. Like, didn't Gohan always have a tail? Uh, he did until he got it cut off. Yeah, but they always had like there was always furries in that show. But then they kind of Dragon yeah. Ball Z, they all faded away for and were replaced with aliens instead. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think it was a weird choice, but whatever. Biggest anime franchise of all time. <laughs> mm. All right, so you know how we're always gushing about how smart animals are and how empathetic they are, mm-hmm. and how they amaze us and they do all these things that we love. Yep. Let's talk yep. about Goblin Mode. Oh no! Yes. I have some oh, my goodness. stories about that recently. <laughs> oh God! Tell me about your goblin mode stories, okay. kind of file. A few months back, we got a new puppy in the house. She's getting there maturity-wise, but she's still very much like rambunctious and testing out limits. We have her, and then we have another slightly older dog, like three years. So mm-hmm. the puppy always wants to play. It's just go time all the time. And the other one sometimes doesn't want to, so we just kind of established the couch as a safe space for her. Like, all right, you can't get up on here to get this older dog. That's just not allowed. You know, if she comes down, so be it fine. But now the two of them have started 
skirmishing at the border. So, like, <laughs> so like the the puppy will like put her head on the couch and kind of like mouth at her and the older one's legs, and the older one will occasionally like taunt her from above. It's sort of like the DMZ at the Korean border, just like they're just <laughs> staring each other down and they're trying so hard to just barely not break the rules. But it's I'm not touching very you. Clear. Exactly. I'm not touching you. Oh my goodness. My dog doesn't do a lot of goblin mode. What's okay, let's define goblin mode. What does it mean really? Uh, let's see. Wikipedia. The rejection of societal expectations and the act of living in an unkempt, hedonistic manner without concern for one's self-image. Pretty much. <laughs> hey, wait, that's me right now. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. That's me right I now. represent I'm, this. <laughs> I'm full goblin mode at all times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's funny. And my dog does do a little bit of that. It's mm-hmm. very funny. So my husband will be asleep and my dog will go into the bedroom and wake him up. Actually, like, when my husband wakes up, he jumps into bed and rolls on his back and says, pet me. And then when my husband pets him, he goes to sleep. And then if my husband falls asleep again, he wakes up and wakes my (laughs) husband back up so that my husband will keep petting him. A friend of mine, he had a dog. She would would expect it, like just pet, pet, pet constantly. Like you can't stop. Mm -hmm. And if you did stop, she'd get offended and she would leave. Fuck you. Fine, I'm going to go find a cold space next to the window. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to watch you. And then she's going to come back with that cold nose and give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) There was some point where um, me and my husband left to go to the store or something. I don't know what it was. And my dog really wanted to go. And we were like, no, it's too cold. We're going to be in there for an hour. You can't go. And apparently he threw a huge fit. My roommate saw this. He threw a huge fit. And then sulked into the kitchen, went into his treat jar and grabbed a treat out and went and sat down and ate it. To calm oh. himself down. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to eat a cookie. I'm going to have myself a good time. <laughs> Fascinating. Just one cookie. Just one cookie. No, didn't didn't gobble it all up. Such Got one cookie. Boy. <laughs> you know what? I'm just feeling very emotional right now. <laughs> I need a cookie. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. So I have I have a zoo thing to talk about about doggies like that. Excellent. Oh yeah, let's hear it. Well, mode. I recently last Saturday I found a doggie across the street who was uh, right. freezing, and I brought brought her over and kept her warm. And right. she was very scared, but she's kind of attached to me now, right? Well, yeah, it's, to bring her uh, warmth. Yeah, yeah. She, was, she was skinny, right? She, she was pretty ribsy, but not apparently particularly underweight. She's healthy. In the morning, she'll like come in and insist that she wants to be on my lap. So I'm sitting here at my desk, like in my morning meetings with this 40 pound pit bull on my lap. <laughs> and it, it gets a little tiring for her, her weight on me, but that's fine. The, the thing is when I go to bed, she gets mm-hmm. very excited oh. and she's jumping up on the bed and she's all eager and, and, and excited and and I get in the in bed and she is all up against me. She's snuggling me. She is kissing me. She is digging in. She is mouth kissing me. She tries to get at my boogers. She <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> She goes at it, right? And 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 okay, that yeah, there's a lot of dogs that are affectionate that way. Well, this one 
climbs up on my chest, puts her <laughs> cooch right in my face. Oh, yes. <laughs> and roots around in my crotch. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. I'm oh, like, my God. This girl this is... is a complete slut. And I don't <laughs> I didn't teach this to her. Right. Yep. And this is just a dog off the street to me. And it's like, wow, where did she get this little experience? Wow. Jeez. That's wild. Well, I like a dog who knows what they want. Well, she Absolutely. certainly makes no bones about it. Huh? Do you have any Gotham Mode stories, Aqua? I don't know if I can follow that one. <laughs> <laughs> Gobbling some cock, is that what you meant? No! Oh, <laughs> I got an old one. This is a long time ago. We had a shepherd who was definitely uh, simple. Uh. And <laughs> he's very sweet, but two or three steps above, like, plant. Food, water, walks, attention, supervision, and some precautions. There were certain toys that he was not allowed to have mm -hmm. because he would just completely transform into this murder machine. Wow. Uh, and at first it was kind of funny. We get him like a, a big stuffed rabbit or something and start a timer to oh. see how long mm -hmm. it would take to get the squeaker out. And it was never very long. But then somebody had this idea. I don't remember who made this because it was homemade. One day there was this big piece of rope. It was like four, maybe five feet long. And there was a bunch of knots tied in it, really tight. Like mm -hmm. Somebody really put this together pretty well, I guess, knowing his tendencies. Boy, was that a mistake. Because he would grab the end of it and then just start swinging it around. <laughs> oh, no. And it, it was just this... It, like, he was completely unapproachable. It was area denial, and he would do it no matter who was around. So you would just get your shit destroyed by this giant heavy rope with all of these rock-hard rope knots. Uh, it was bad. And everybody would clear out and wait for him to get tired because it would never last very long. But for a little while, he was like, he was like one of those man hacks in Half-Life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> can I have him in my D&D &D campaign? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, you can write him in. Do you guys remember that, that gif of the dog with that's like... With the sword? Throwing someone around, they have like a mace. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that the dog that you're talking about? <laughs> a lot of us rolled for damage. Yes. Just put it that way. <laughs> um, and it was fine for a while. Like, he never learned his lesson. There would always be some incident that ended the fun. Like he'd bean himself with it really uh, hard. Oh my God. And he'd be like, oh, okay. Well, I don't want to <laughs> play with this anymore. anymore. <laughs> and then a day later, he'd be right back at it, just swinging it around uh, until something happened. Either he got yelled at because he broke something or he hit himself. Oh my God. <laughs> goblin God. mode. That's true goblin mode. Yes. Yeah. My dog is just so sweet. He can't. He can't be ours to be to be like that. He's so gentle with his toys. Like he has a stuffed animal that he chews on and throws around like dogs do. But then he'll like cuddle up with it and like lick its wounds. Oh, that's so precious. He's adorable. He's wonderful. After care. <laughs> After care. <laughs> He's a very nice doggy. I like him. Oh, very much so. Yes. <laughs> I want to hear goblin mode stories. Write in with them. <laughs> yes, more goblin mode stories, please. Give us your goblin mode stories and we'll read them during the hiatus. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, guys. Mm -hmm. 
What are you going to do? We're going to be basically off the hook for six months. What are y'all planning mm-hmm. to do? Literally and- nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said yeah. I'm going on a tropical vacation. Yep. Wow. For six months. For six months. <laughs> That's it. I'm gone. <laughs> See you later. Bye. This is my sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Kind of file. I was going to do some theater stuff. Well, besides that, I'm hoping to get going on the third act of my D&D campaign, where they go to hell. Oh! Well, there's been some requests for hellhounds and nightmares, and I figure go right to the source. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. What level are they at? 15 at this point. Okay. They're ready to go to hell. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That's baller. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, Mike the dog is going to do nothing. <laughs> nothing. Excellent. Nothing. Tra la la. I'm actually going to finish up everything. I've been trying to finish up. Too many things on my plate. Uh-huh. How big a plate yeah. is it? About Huge. the size of a table. It's a yeah, table. It's, it's a kiddie pool. I, I just sponge sure. the table down every day and I, I put the food on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one less thing on your plate. Kaya, what are you going to do? I'm going to finish my sex novel. Oh, are you really writing novel. a sex novel? I already have the first draft complete. <sighs> Great. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. What's it, it about? It's, Is it about it's, sex? Well, it's it's structured in a journey odyssey sort of structure, but its base purpose is to show you how different kinks can appeal to you. Huh. By being so descriptive and bringing you through the pattern that is what would allow you to understand how you could be aroused by that. Even if you aren't, oh, when reading it, right? That's mm-hmm. the goal of it. So That's fascinating. Sure, sure. It, I like that. It, it, You're going to end up waking up some shit in people. And that's, <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. What The biggest challenge is that I'm going to have to self-publish it because it definitely includes a number of subjects that all of the existing publishers are absolutely against. You mean like bestiality? Yes. It is supposed to be the most adult novel ever. The Uh, adult novel that I would want to encounter when I wanted to find out what the most adult a book could be is. (laughs) Have you often asked yourself that question? I I grew up Mormon. (laughs) 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 I don't know. We'll call it the Bible of of sex or something. I don't know. The Bible of sex. (laughs) Well, that's 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 an ambitious goal. Hell yeah, I'm all for mm-hmm. publishing a novel. I think I might try. I'm like, I'm really, I'm really trying to just like not do shit for mm-hmm. like six months because not, not even write a song. Well, that's the oh. thing. I might do some music for like me and and kind of file together. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And I would really like to get some of the music actually prepared to do something like put it on Spotify or something like that, mm-hmm. and actually like really release it but i really have to look at our catalog what i'm able to do that with because some things we can't do unfortunately due to copyright law yeah yeah um so people's favorites like king of the pride we actually can't do not because it's a cover but because it's a derivative work if it were a cover it would be easier but because we change things about it Mm-hmm. It's harder, right? So, yeah, yeah, which is fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that is it's, absolutely it's not ludicrous. a parody. Or is it's that not same? a parody. It is considered a derivative work. A parody, by definition in the law, is something that takes the subject of the song or, or something and makes fun of it, the structure of it itself. Yep. 
The structure, um, making fun of the song structure, like the structure of the mm-hmm. song, or or the subject matter of the song, or oh, the person song. who wrote the song. Not something else. Right. It's really fucking stupid, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. They're not true parodies. Um, they are derivative works. Online publishing platforms are are really iffy about. Actually, most of them say flat out, you can't do der- derivative works. You can only do yep. covers, and you have to pay a fee to do a cover. <sighs> so whatever. It turns out it's just it's just really hard and dumb. And then the other question is, how far can we push the envelope? Because you can talk about a lot of illegal shit in music and get away with that. But, you know, what can we get away with? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Without running afoul of distributors. Oops. Hey, you can't write a hit song and top, top the charts. About you, you might be surprised. Like it's very possible <laughs> if we did um, fourteen werewolves. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that that couldn't get so popular because mm. it's fucking awesome and it's yeah. hilarious yeah. and it's horny. Yeah. And it's the fourteen werewolves. Furries love that shit. Yeah. So I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's very possible that something like that could happen. But we don't. We're not going to bank on that. It's not like there aren't zoo artists that have sold music on iTunes before. Like that exists. You can go buy mm-hmm. it. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You yeah. just have to be in the know. But uh, I uh, bought Zoom Music on iTunes, and I didn't even know it. Back musician. when I first joined the fandom, actually, I, that's when I bought that music. Oh my god! That narrows oh, it yep. down. Wow. Does it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you know who it is, that's fine. But like, if you don't know that these people exist, whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with the zoos knowing who I'm talking about. That would be nice. That would be a fun project to do. Definitely. And it should be kind of low key enough over the course of six months that, you know, I'm not feeling burnt out, but I can still yeah. be creative. Aqua, what yes. do you think? What are you thinking? Six months, not having to write an episode. Oh, I don't really do that much around here. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely going to free up some time. I really want to cook more. Yes. Yo. And I'm yeah. trying to think of something that I can slot into what I was doing on the podcast. And it's probably a few hours here and there that sounds like cooking to me (laughs) (laughs) nice and there's motorcycles to ride and there's i mean there's zoo community which i like i'm i basically don't exist over there now oh yeah so i should i should (laughs) revisit that all of you should revisit that uh, yeah, we should. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening should revisit that. Everyone, everyone, everyone right now. Everyone. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> In the spirit of 60 episodes of Zoot, we're inviting you to a giant orgy. I mean, a giant oh. picnic at zoocommunity.org. Yeah. We're inviting <laughs> like you to go and do something sneak. else. Yes. <laughs> Don't go outside. Just go on the internet. <laughs> Touching grasses for squares, man. All right. Thank you guys for coming and hanging out with us and being here to just shoot the shit and have fun. I've enjoyed your company. Thank you Um, for having us. Yes. Hey, take us out, kind of file. Thanks, friends, for listening to Zooier Than Thou. Our first hiatus special is on March 7th, and we'll be interviewing some of the founding members of CalZoo. It's bound to open up a chapter of zoo history, so don't miss it. You can subscribe to the podcast via our Zooey RSS feed. Just point your favorite podcast client at rss.zoo.wtf. You can also check out our extensive bonus content at bonus.zoo.wtf. If you want to show your support financially, head on over to donate.zoo.wtf. Find us on Twitter at Zooier Than Thou. 
Our podcast website is still zoo.wtf, and we have a form that enables anonymous submissions to the podcast on our website, zoo.wtf. You can also simply email us at mail at zoo.wtf. Share this podcast with someone who could use some zoo positivity and fun. I'm Conophile, and I've got a one-way ticket to New York City. Way down Hades Town, way down under the ground. <laughs> and I'm Toggle, and I'll be spending the next six months in a tropical paradise. And you've almost finished listening to Zooier Than Thou. Stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time you feel like howling at the moon. Deep Dog deep throater. Dog deep throat. Deep Deep Deep